But uh, this series that we're going to be jumping into, Who Needs God? I want to start by linking two words together. When I say these two words, I want you to internally measure your initial uh, reaction, your internal, your visceral reaction. What do you think when you hear these two words linked together? God and science. Religion and science. conflict, incompatible, diametrically opposed, that somehow or other science is endeavoring to either disprove God, is at war with God, or has established some construct in which they declare that God doesn't exist. If you're a person of faith, if you're a follower of Jesus, and you hear science, oftentimes you feel this tension. If I embrace science, Am I somehow undermining my faith? Am I somehow weakening my faith in the God of the Bible and the Bible itself if I embrace science? Because we are, we've been told, we've been taught, we've been made to believe that somehow or other, science and faith are incompatible. They're in conflict. But what if we find out that science and the Bible aren't actually incompatible. They actually support each other. What if we find out that everything that's been discovered scientifically, historically, and is currently being discovered scientifically, actually supports the claims of the Bible? That they're not in conflict. Because if we as Christians believe the Bible, it doesn't mean we should shut our brains off. It doesn't mean we should lack intellect. And if we look unbiasedly, if we look with critical thinking at science and the Bible, if we let science be science and we let the Bible say what the Bible actually says, not what we think it says, we'll find that the two are actually in, in line with each other. Here's what it says in the book of Romans. From the creation of the world, when you look at all created order, the earth, the moon, the stars, the cosmos, the, the tiny molecules that make up our body. From all of creation, God's invisible qualities, his, his inter, uh, eternal power and divine nature have been clearly observed in what he made. So if we look critically at the word of God and science, what the word of God is telling us is one ought to reveal the other. So we shouldn't be scared of science. We should be willing to embrace science. So that's what this whole series is going to be about. How, how do these two come in line? Because there are actually many, many scientists who are strong believers in Christ. Not despite science, but because of science. So, you know, COVID-19, who heard of that? Now, there was a doctor, he recently stepped down, but he was head of the National Institutes of Health. His name was Dr. Francis uh, Collins. Dr. Collins also led, previously, he led the Human Genome Project. He, he's a brilliant man. He just stepped down in December uh, from the NIH. But um, he, you may not know this, he was on a lot of news uh, programs and, and making statements during the, the height of covid 
But you may not know this. He's a, a Christian, a strong Christian, a devout Christian. And he became a Christian, not growing up in, in, in that belief, but as a result of looking at, studying all that science was revealing from the creation of the universe to the molecular level of, of the cells and structures of the human body, through looking at all that, he became a follower of Christ. And this is what he said. One does not have to choose between science and God. The two are compatible. That from a man who would be considered a scientist among scientists. This isn't just, you know, somebody who's just, you know, calls himself a scientist, like, I don't know, Bill Nye. This is a man <laughs> who, who actually has the degrees and the education. But yet somehow we have gotten to the point where we believe or we've been told or we think that somehow science has disproved or is attempting to disprove God because we hear statements by other experts who make it sound like it's definitive. So there was a theoretical physicist who died not that long ago by the name of Stephen Hawking. And I don't know if you've never, ever heard of him, but he made this statement, and I want to play the video for you because these are the type of things we hear and we believe that they represent the total view of the scientific community. So when people ask me if a god created the universe, I tell them that the question itself makes no sense. Time didn't exist before the Big Bang. So there is no time for God to make the universe in. It's like asking for directions to the edge of the Earth. The Earth is a sphere. It doesn't have an edge. So looking for it is a futile exercise. We are each free to believe what we want. And it's my view that the simplest explanation is, there is no God. No one created the universe, and no one directs our fate. This leads me to a profound realization. There is probably no heaven, and no afterlife either. We have this one life to appreciate the grand design of the universe. And for that, I am extremely grateful. So there's a lot that's in that statement. But what we hear and what a lot of people walk away with is there is no God. But there's a lot of things in that statement that are... Um, ideas, concepts, but they're not proven scientific fact. And there's also things in there that if you step back, you go, oh, okay, that makes no sense. So if there is no time, there was no time for God to create anything, except if he's an omnipotent, all-powerful God, all God, would he be restrained by time and space? Uh, he said, everyone's free to believe what they want to believe, but in my view... So he shifts from belief to my view. It becomes more concrete. It becomes more authoritative. But it's still just his belief. And then he makes a, a very provocative statement. We're going to come back to it later. We have this one chance 
to appreciate this grand design. And it is a spectacular design, but it leads to the question, who designed it? So there are a lot of things there. So oftentimes, people will ask the question, hasn't science disproved God? The answer to that is an unequivocal no, because in order to prove something scientifically, it has to be measurable, repeatable, and observable. And you cannot take God and bring him into, bring him into a lab and measure him. So it's theory, it's ideas, it's concepts, it's things that uh, make you wonder, does God exist or does he not exist? So does science disprove the existence of God? No. And no uh, honest scientist would be able to say, yes, science disproves God. The real question is not, does science disprove God? The real question is this, what, does what we know through science support the existence of God or not? Does what we know, does what science has discovered historically and is currently discovering, does it support the idea of the existence of God or not? And if you look at the evidence unbiasedly, critically, it's an unequivocal yes. It absolutely does. So I want to start by looking at an area of science that is often um, used as or feels like that's it. Well, if this is the answer, then there is no God. It's called the Big Bang Theory, not the show, the, the actual scientific theory that was, <laughs> that was first postulated by uh, Dr. Edwin Hubble, who we named the Hubble Telescope after. Now, the, the idea is this, that before the universe began, all of matter was condensed into this tiny mass of extreme heat and energy. And some 13.8 or so billion years ago, give or take a billion, 13.8 uh, billion years ago, that mass of energy exploded. And as a result, everything that we see, all of matter, planets, stars, us, was created from that. Now, Here's the amazing thing. On April 24th, 1992, the COBE satellite the, uh, made a discovery, phenomenal discovery, and they found uh, radiation traces and microwave uh, traces that confirmed the idea that there was a central origin point to the beginning of the universe. That the, in other words, the universe didn't always exist. The universe isn't eternal. The universe had a beginning. And since then, it's been rapidly expanding. Now, some people say, there you go. The Big Bang proves there was no God. <laughs> but the problem is, there's a lot of scientists who weren't happy when the Big Bang theory was confirmed because it brings up all kinds of questions. See, the Big Bang theory brings us to a point where science doesn't have answers, where science and theology line up where science and what we believe about God come into uh, connection. So you can't just say the Big Bang uh, proves that there was no God. Okay, but it brings all kinds of questions, deep questions, meaningful questions, questions like where did the stuff that banged come from? 
right? All this stuff exploded. Where did it come from? Because we know scientifically that something can't come from nothing. So there had to be a cause greater than the effect. I think it's the third law of thermodynamics. The cause cannot be... Uh, uh, the effect cannot be greater than the cause. There had to be something that caused that matter to exist. There had to be something that caused the explosion to happen. So there's this matter there, trillions of degrees hot, just waiting, waiting, and it explodes. Why did it explode? What caused it to explode? It brings us to all kinds of questions. It's, it, and, the, and the answers are outside of the laws of physics. The answers are outside of the natural law. And things that are outside of the natural law, we have a category for that. It's called supernatural. If it's outside of the natural order, it's supernatural. And you know who resides in the supernatural? God. So science points to something supernatural outside of what is normal, outside of what we can know. It points to God. Robert uh, Gestro was a um, planetary physicist, an astronomer. He was a scientist at NASA. He was the head of the Mount Wilson Observatory uh, and he, a brilliant scientist. When he saw the results from the Kobe satellite that pointed to this uh, origin of the universe, he made this statement. Now we see how the astronomical evidence supports the biblical view of the origin of the world. A definite moment in time in a flash of light and energy. So if the universe hasn't always existed, see what, what most scientists wanted to prove was called the steady state theory that the universe is eternal, it's always existed. If the universe is eternal and always existed, it wasn't created. Therefore, the creation story found in the Bible is wrong. But if there was a creation, if there was a definite moment in time with a flash of light and immense energy, and from that, everything is created, well, it sounds an awful lot like this. In the beginning, in a definite moment of time, God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, let there be light and a great flash of light and intense energy. God created, and there was light. So what we see science discovering supports everything that the Bible teaches. If we look at the Bible fairly unbiasedly and, and, and critically, if we look at science and, and the Bible both that way. There's another amazing thing when it comes to the uh, creation of the universe. Astrophysicists will tell you that when the Big Bang happened, what should have resulted, every model they've ever constructed, everything they understand, they will tell you this, when the Big Bang happened, what should have happened was the production of an equal amount of matter and antimatter. Should have been exactly in balance. Equal amount of matter and antimatter. If that had happened, the universe would have self-annihilated. All that would be left is photons. There'd be no planets, no stars, no us. There'd be nothing. But that didn't happen. And they don't understand why. What they assume is that there was some ratio of about this. One billion and one particles of matter versus one billion particles of antimatter. 
that one, one billionth difference. Without that, nothing. But someone or something somehow intervened. And science has no idea why. Again, it leads us back to the divine, to some type of divine intervention. So there's the creation of the universe, but there's also this within the creation of the universe. Uh, there, there's uh, the idea that there's design and order. So at the end of the creation story in Genesis chapter one, the last verse says this, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. It was supremely good. It was amazingly good. Now, have you ever wondered why he says that? Why was it good? What made it good? What was so good about it? It was good because it was good for us. It was good because the crowning jewel of all of creation was humanity. Those of us who he made in his his image, in his likeness, to be in relationship with him. Everything he created was for our good. It's the same reason we call Good Friday good, because it's good for us. Jesus' death wasn't fun for him, but it was good news for us because of his death and his resurrection. It was very good because God said, look, look at how good, how perfect this is for mankind. It's so, so very good. And science continues to discover and reveal just how good it is. Just how perfectly imbalanced everything is. That without those things, life wouldn't exist. So um, think about the, the placement of our planet in our solar system. Astronomers call where the planet Earth is Within our solar systems, the Goldilocks zone. If you remember the, the story of Goldilocks, you know, she goes and finds the, the three bears and you know, she's the home, they're not there, and she tries the porridge and one's too cold and one's too hot and one's just right. She tries the bed, one's too soft, one's too hard, one's just right. The earth, where it's placed, if it was any closer to the sun, the oceans and the water would evaporate. If it was any farther from the sun, We live in a perpetual uh, frozen tundra. But it's just the right place. Think about the placement of the planet Jupiter. Jupiter has a huge gravitational field. And where it is in orbit, it is able to deflect, or, or not so much deflect, but draw in most comets that come into our solar system and keep them from entering the inner uh, section uh, of planets primarily Earth, that would wreak havoc on our planet. It's as if someone placed a shield in just the exact right place to protect our planet. Think about our atmosphere. It's oxygen-rich. It's saturated with oxygen to support life, carbon-based life, human life, the only life form that scientists know of. And it's perfectly suited to support human life And yet, in the upper atmosphere, there's enough ozone to deflect the most harmful UV rays from the sun, UVC rays. And it absorbs them, it deflects them, it breaks them down so we don't just die instantly. Those things don't just happen by mistake. Those things 
happen because it is very good. This is so good for humanity and mankind. See, when you, when you see something, design implies a designer, right? Stephen Hawking said, we, we can enjoy this grand design. So if you see um, a building, it implies that there was an architect. If you see a watch, it implies there was a watchmaker. If you look at a cell phone, it implies that someone designed that thing. Right? You might walk through the woods if you like to do such things. Um, no. You might walk through the woods and, and, and wander by a stream, and there in the stream, a tree is blocking the flow of the water, creating a dam. And it's easy to think, did that tree just fall by accident? Was it just happenstance? But you can't drive by the Hoover Dam and go, I wonder if a concrete truck just kind of flipped over. <laughs> and look, the Hoover Dam. I, I don't think many of us, in looking at a, a cell phone, even if you say, I don't like smartphones, I got dumb phones, I don't think any of us looking at a dumb phone would come to the conclusion that someone somehow took all the necessary components to create this cell phone, put it in a blender, uh, turned it on at an extremely high heat and energy, and just let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go, and out popped a cell phone. <laughs> Most of us would say, I... I there's a cell phone because someone designed the cell phone. See, a design implies a designer. And when we look at the design and the scope of the world, the, our lives, the human body, the earth, the solar system, the galaxies, the universe, how everything works together, it's very good. It implies that someone designed all this. And those are those things I mentioned, Jupiter and the atmosphere and where we are, those are just a, a few of countless ways in which you can look at the perfect balance in which this whole thing was created. And if one or two things were off, life as we know it wouldn't exist. Um, Owen Gingrich, who um, is an astrophysicist and he um, is the director at the Harvard-Smithsonian, um, uh, uh, I guess it's the astrophysicist lab. Um, brilliant man. And absolutely, uh, again, a scientist among scientists. So he made an observation when it comes to uh, the, the balance, the creation that we see around us. And this is what he said. There are so many wonderful details which if they were changed only slightly would make it impossible for us to be here. One just has to feel somehow that there is a design in the universe and therefore a designer to have worked it out so magnificently. So when we look critically, unbiasedly at science, and when we step back and look at the Bible, we see that the two are in harmony the Bible isn't at war with science. And although some scientists may be at war with the Bible, science supports the Bible. So there's one other thing I want to talk about when it comes to th this whole idea, this whole notion of does science disprove God? And it's the idea of where does human consciousness come from? 
the idea of self, our ability to be self-aware, to think, to reason, to reflect, to, to understand that somehow we are unique because regardless of what anyone says, mankind, humanity, women and men, us, we are different than all other life on earth. I know some people say we're just a jazzed up version of the chimpanzee because we share 99.4% or 94.9 or whatever it is of our DNA. But listen to me, we are altogether different than chimpanzees because the what makes us human isn't our DNA. The essence of humanity is whose image we're created in. The nature of humanity is identity, not DNA. It's not how close we are related to chimpanzees that say we're not much different from them. No, we're the only ones that God said, I'm gonna put my mark on them. I'm gonna imprint my image on them. I'm gonna take my thumb and press it into them. They're gonna look like me. See, everyone has a unique fingerprint and God says, I'm gonna take my unique fingerprint and imprint it on you. This is what it says in Genesis. God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So to all the women here, you are created in God's image. And if your husband doesn't treat you like an image bearer, shame on him because you are made in his image and you are precious. Don't ever doubt that. Well, I don't look like this person. I don't. It doesn't matter. We ought to treat everyone as someone who carries the image of God. Men, you are made in God's image. I know some of you said, I didn't know God didn't have hair. Hey, it's all right. He gave some many and some few, but it doesn't matter. We're made in God's image. So because we're made in God's image, it means something. It means that all of us as human beings are spiritual in nature. Every person is spiritual. You say, I know people that aren't spiritual. It doesn't matter what you believe. I know people who, who don't believe in God. It doesn't matter what you've accepted or rejected. We're all spiritual because every person at some point in their lives has to decide what they're gonna do with God. Every person at some point whether they've heard about the God of the Bible or it's a different God, but at some point, every person has to decide, will I accept or will I reject God? Because it's inside of us. Blaise Pascal, the 17th century mathematician and um, philosopher, coined the phrase, a God-sized hole. There's a God-shaped hole inside every person. Where did that hole come from? C.S. Lewis gave the idea that every longing, every desire, everything that we would ever want in life is a result of something missing. You're hungry, you long for food because you don't have food. You're thirsty, you long for water because you lack water. You're lonely, you long for companionship because you're alone. You're scared. You long for safety and sanctuary because you lack security. We wonder, is there or is there not a God? Will I accept the idea of God or will I reject the idea of God? But every one of us has to come to that point and make that decision because we lack knowing God. 
And if we accept that there is a God, we begin to know him. If we reject that there is a God, then we cut him off. But where would that longing come from? See, you long for something because it's missing from your life. You long for something when it's missing. Some people have postulated that there's uh, inside of all humanity, there's a God gene that makes us just think that there's a God. But where would that gene come from? Why would that evolve into us? Sigmund Freud and many others just say, no, no, it's not that really people have a longing for God. It's not that there's anything physiologically in us. It's simply the innate hope inside of everyone that there's more to life than this. And so we all have this hope for a God that, makes, that means there's something better. The problem is, why would that hope persist throughout history and across every known civilization? Where would that come from? Why would it be there? So the questions of how did everything come from nothing? Why is there so much design and order within our universe? What is it that makes us human? Those questions, science has no answers for. But God, the Bible, theology does. In the beginning, there was a God. And this God created, and he created everything that we see at a singular moment in time, and it was good. It was so good for us who were created in in his image and his likeness, and we are like him, and he wants to be in relationship with us. If you will look at science and look at the Bible and not be intimidated by either, you'll find that they support one another beautifully. Now, if you've enjoyed this next week, come back. We're going to talk about God's role in the creation of the earth. What does that mean? Because a lot of us think we know what it means based on Genesis chapter 1. That in about uh, six days, 24 hours a day, God did it all. But what if there's more to the story than that? So that what we see science revealing and what the Bible tells us are simpatico. They work together beautifully. But now, for this morning, here's my question for you. Will you embrace not science as your God, but the God of science? If Jesus is truth, and all truth is God's, and there's truth in science, then there is the God of science, and he's the God of the Bible. And you don't need to be intimidated by him. You don't need to be scared by him. He knows you, he made you in his image, he loves you. And he says, I want to be in a relationship with you. So what you do is you just say, God, I messed up, I've sinned, I've made a mistake, and I want a relationship with your son, uh, with you through your son, Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life and died a horrible death, but he rose again from the dead after three days so my sins can be forgiven and I can have eternal life. So if that's you here this morning or you're joining us online, if everyone would do me a favor, just close your eyes, bow your heads. If you would say, I want to make make that declaration of faith. I want to become a Christian. And just right now where you are, just raise your hand. I want to lead you in a simple little prayer of salvation. A prayer of faith. A prayer that says, I want to follow God and not myself. The God who created all the scientific laws and all the scientific discoveries point me back to that same God. 
If that's you online, just click the button in the chat that says, I want to accept Christ. And now if everyone would, that's here, whether you raise your hand or not, if you would repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you now and I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me of all my sins. I've hurt myself. I've hurt others. And I violated your holiness. And I'm so sorry. I lay all my life down. And I receive new life in Christ. That I would live for him. That I would follow him. That I would tell others about him. God, fill me now with your Holy Spirit. That I could walk in grace. Forgiveness. That I would follow you all the days of my life and spend eternity with you in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen. God bless you. If you prayed that prayer and you're here, uh, after service, please come forward. Let someone pray with you some more, encourage you, help you take your next steps in your journey with Christ. If you're online, uh, please click the connect with us a button that popped up so we could follow up with you. But now, if you would stand with me, I just want to pray a prayer. There's a lot that we talked about here this morning. And then we're going to sing one last song as we worship God together. Heavenly Father, I thank you. God, I don't know where each person is here this morning. If they have questions, if they have doubts, if they're just exploring, if they're trying to understand, if they're kicking the tires on Christianity. God, would, would what they heard today move the needle in their life? one step closer to you. God, for those of us that know you, love you, or in a relationship with you, but maybe we've struggled with some of these things and we've wondered, am I believing the right thing because science seems to be pointing in another direction? Would we realize one's not pointing north and the other south? They're both, they're both pointing to true north, which is you. So God, will we not be scared to embrace you, the God of science, to accept the science as it reveals the God who created science. And God, would we realize that our faith never, ever needs to be shaken. It doesn't matter what man says. God, that you would be found true. And, I, and on that, we stake our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now let's worship God together.